Okay, ladies, welcome to Midweek. I'm so excited that you're here. I, for one, am very excited to be here. I came in dragging because it was just like, you know, one of those days that's been dragging on for a while. But after the worship, I'm like, yes, I feel great. I feel back. It's great. It's a great feeling. I just love to come and worship God. He is worthy. Isn't it great to be here? I mean, come on. Your whole week, you know, out of all the stuff you got going on, this has got to be the best thing going. Um, and then I'm also ultra excited for some people in this room because in just a couple days, we will be leaving for the Mothers in Ministry Conference. <laughs> and I'm just saying, it can't come fast enough. That's all I mean. Woo! Okay, so between the spiritual battle and just the fatigue of needing to go, it is an awesome thing. This thing keeps sinking. My, my boom, it keeps sinking. I'm just going to stand here while it sinks. Um, I did have a, could I just give one little teeny tiny announcement about that this weekend? Because it might be the only time that I actually see this many people in the same place. And that is, I just wanted to be uh, the bearer of great news, which is that really there's only about 50% of the, of the attendees are from the turning point and everybody else is from neighboring regions. So we have an incredible opportunity over this weekend, honestly, just to give love. And I really want to beseech you, you know, I, the reason that I even started the Mothers in Ministry Conference is because I really felt for the church at large. And I felt, as many of you know, that I feel like there's an under, sort of an undercurrent of kids getting in the way of, you know, discipleship and evangelism and that kind of thing. And I just feel it's the exact opposite, that our kids are our ministry, and they do nothing but help us understand the heart of God. And so I felt for the community at large and um, some of my friends that are trying to figure out how to be in the ministry and raise their kids at the same time and all that. And as we all know, we are all really in the ministry. So I created this conference thinking of them. Um, so actually, this is a big prayer. Uh, this is an answer to prayer for me that this many people would be coming from other places. So I just wanted to ask if you would come alongside me and be an ambassador, both for Christ, but also for the turning point to say, we're so happy to be with you. You know, sometimes we get that little reputation going that we don't do things, you know, with everybody else. So we do do things. Okay, we do things. This is one of the things we do. Please come. Please, you know, uh, be willing to be an ambassador for them and, and make sure that you set your expectations. Okay, do I have to say it again? What hat are we going to take off? Take that high maintenance hat off, people, and leave it at home. You need to put on your I am grateful to be a live hat, right? So I say that again. And well, it doesn't matter. You need to come in with your expectations at, at the at the ground, right? You come with your expectations here. You open up your hands and you go, whatever you give me is a gift. I'm not cooking for three days, people. <laughs> I can sleep in a, you know, I don't care where I'm sleeping. I don't care what I'm doing. I don't even care what the food tastes like. I'm not cooking and I'm not cleaning up after anybody. Even if I get woken up, I don't have to take care of them. Get Think about that. So if you come and your room is not exactly what you were picturing, because you requested this person and this person and this person, and you only got one of those people in your room, you're going to be okay. We are not going to be sitting in our rooms by ourselves, okay? So the room is not that big of a deal. So walk in with a great expectation to be a giver. If, you're, if you get your mind completely off yourself, this is a lesson for all of us all the time, right? Get your mind off yourself. 
point it straight up to God and say, I am your servant. May it be to me as you have said, and you will have the best time. So I'm excited to see you guys there. And uh, tonight, I'm actually excited. I'm sorry it took so long to get going here. I was unaware of the quick turnaround time I needed to have, so I I apologize for keeping you waiting. But um, I wanted to do a little panel tonight, and I'm very excited about it, but I just want to give you, you know, sort of give you a a thought or let you see the thoughts in my brain. So turn over to John 1. I thought that, um, first of all, I thought the service on Sunday was amazing. Number one, there were people in the auditorium early. What in the world has happened to us? This is awesome. I was like, yes, look at that. There's people out there. You don't understand from the stage. It's crazy looking out there. It's like there's nobody there, but we're starting anyway. You know, like, but there's people in there responding, you know, giving, you know, being friendly. It's awesome. And then, um, of course, the music was awesome. But I just thought that the message was so uh, applicable. It was, an, you know, just thinking about, you know, after all of that with Moses, and he, if you haven't watched it from, you know, because you were not in the service, you should watch it because it's really good. But then, you know, Mo- Moses going through all of his feelings and thoughts. And then at the very end, him still going, oh, please, just send someone else. <laughs> Could you? I mean, I just couldn't have related to anybody more than Moses at that moment. So I thought that was really great. But it really helped me because I'm thinking about what is the hard thing that God is calling me to do? You know, he was talking about do those hard things, you know, and he mentioned some really hard things. You know, he was talking about adopting and, you know, he was mentioning some hard, hard things. But really, the thing that God is calling me to, and I think a lot of you two right now, is just striking up that conversation with the person in the line at the bank, right? So last time we were together, I was talking about how this is sort of my quest to become a person that shares my faith wherever I go. I know that many people share that goal, actually. Wouldn't you just love, it's like, oh, it's like it's your, it's natural. It just flows off. Like I, I, I just share my faith because that's what I do. Now I know I got a long way to go to get there, but that's my goal. And that is a very good goal because you cannot, um, you can't really make disciples without sharing your faith. Have you noticed that? Like it really just doesn't happen. Um, there's a lot more that goes into making disciples, but without sharing your faith, it doesn't really happen. But tonight I want to continue on. So last time we talked about that and we heard some really great advice from uh, Lisa Selesky and Isis actually, and I learned that I shouldn't go through the self-checkout um, because then uh, you can't really share with the machine that's checking you out. So that was a good one for me. And then um, I learned that Isis looks at people and thinks, you know, oh, and she pictures a very, very dark scenario in her mind to help her remember that this person really does need God. And then Lisa was talking about how really for her, she just like has to set a goal and say, I'm going to do this. And she sets a goal and that going for that goal after she achieves that goal, it's done more than get the goal because what it's done for her is it has set up a norm. So now that she's been doing it for a while, then you so saw I'm going to share with you know every person every day. Then once the goal is over, then she still kind of does it naturally. So I learned those two things the last time we were together, and today I wanted to take it just a little bit further, and I wanted to take I wanted to take the time just to talk through about the other part that follows that. So we we reach out to people, we share our faith, we share what God has done for us. We say, come, you know, come to church. So someone comes to church and they're interested in pursuing this relationship with God more. And first of all, you're dying of shock right there. First of all, you first died to shock because they came. 
<laughs> That's the first thing. Because, you know, you share with all these people, yeah, I'll come, I'll come, I'll come. And then, you know, one in a hundred comes. You're like, oh my gosh. I get, this is awesome. This is exciting, right? So someone comes. And so that's awesome. And then out of those people, then somebody that really is like, yeah, I want to go further. And I want to take, I would, I'd love to take my relationship with God to the, to the next level. And so then you're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Okay. So what do we do here? We, we say the Bible with people, right? So that's our next step. So I wanted to talk about how to make your lifestyle um, uh, rotate or revolve around helping other people from that point on. So that's what I wanted to talk about tonight is basically how to make disciples. I want to start with this. um, I've been uh, reading this passage in 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 1 John, I mean not in 1 John, in John 1, the Gospel of John 1. It's talking about how Jesus was walking, um, walking about making disciples. And he, it says in verse 35, it says the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them follow him and asked, what do you want? When the two, I'm sorry, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He says, come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated means Peter. The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Well, come and see, said Philip. And I, I've been reading this because it sort of just started cracking me up about how, first of all, these people are following Jesus, and um, he's, they asked him, so where are you staying? Where are you going? He's like, just come and see. And it reminded me that Jesus has never promised that, you're, that he's going to let you know what's going on. Like he's just, that was not a promise. He was like, you should just come and see. Maybe he didn't even know. <laughs> come and see what I'm saying. And I thought about that's really what this journey has been for me. I know for me, when I was at uh, you know, I was working on my, uh, my graduate work at USC and I was just going about my business. And then, then basically Jesus found me and said, come and see. And I came and I saw that, Hey, this, these are the answers I've been looking for my whole life. I mean, I can't explain it, but I can say that I've been going to church my whole life and I had never found my answers. And when I started coming, I started finding my answers. And from that moment on, I was 100% in. I was all in. I was like, okay, where are we going? And from that moment, God has never, ever let me know where we're going. (laughs) Except I'm going to heaven at the end. That's the thing I know. And I was thinking about reading this. I was thinking, even from the beginning of this, it's always been about being open-handed. You know, somehow, somewhere along the way, you decided to come and see. Someone invited you, and maybe you were like Nathaniel, like, oh, psh. I was thinking about when somebody invited me to church, and I was like, oh, church, I hate church, stupid church. Seriously, that's what my whole attitude was. I had grown up in church, and I thought, oh, I've already done that. It doesn't work, you know, 
and I had the worst attitude. But yet, some reason, by miraculous intervention, I came. Isn't that weird? So here's Nathaniel. He's totally like, ah, nothing good can come from Nazareth. And that's how we are a lot of the times. But he comes, and he sees Jesus, and within, uh, apparently, very quickly, he goes, oh, you really are. Because after that, Jesus looked at him in verse 47. It says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. I was thinking about how many people come to church, and they feel like the preacher is talking about them. I have talked to so many people. We did this on Sunday. We said we were standing before church. We were, we were talking with the music ministry. And Jay was asking, what do you remember about your first time ever coming to church? And so many people said, I remember thinking that he was talking to me or that somebody had told him about me. Because God is miraculous like that, right? So he says, you know, how do you know me? Nathanael asked, and Jesus said, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. So he was like, quick. Oh, I get it. (laughs) You know, quick. This guy, they know me. He's it. I'm in, right? So he was like, oh, don't you believe because I told you I saw you on the fig tree? You're going to see a lot greater things than that. I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. And truly, that is how it has been for me, and I know for you. You have seen way greater things than that. When you came that first day, and you might have thought, are they talking about me? Is he, did someone slip him a note? There have been way more miraculous things that have happened since then. I'm looking back at my life. You know, we had, um, Jay and I got married. Uh, We got married very young, and for not a lot of the right reasons. That just wasn't what we were thinking. Um, we kind of were selfish and like, oh, he's, this is the guy. This is the guy that's going to make me, you know, this is what I want for my life. He's going to make me find the things I want. You know, he's going to take me where I want to go. And, you know, Jay's looking at me just thinking, I don't know what. Well, she's hot. That's probably what he's thinking. <laughs> that's what he would say. So we're not exactly getting rid, you know, we're not exactly leaving and cleaving, as the Bible would say, you know, like the two becoming one under God, you know. Of course, we did have our wedding. A preacher did our wedding, but we did it in the backyard at somebody's house because we didn't, you know, at his parents' house because we didn't want to get married in a church. And so it's not like we got married for all these great reasons. And uh, definitely we should not have been voted the most likely to succeed. Absolutely not. We were built, building our house on selfishness, you know, and, and, and personal gain. And then somewhere along, the lo- uh, somewhere along the first three years, I was met, and we became Christians, okay? And then we stood a chance. <laughs> because I'm telling you, if we had kept going in our direction, we were just about, we had been going like this, and it was pretty good, but it was just like, we're getting ready. Oh, I don't know. I think about it, if we had not become Christians at that point, if we would still be together today. Well, you know, flash, flash forward, and also I had this great fear in my life that I'd never done, I'd never finished anything I started ever. <laughs> I know some of you are probably like that, like you can, you go in phases, and I thought for a long time, I was like, well, uh, I think maybe Christ, being a Christian's a phase. And so I was always afraid it was going to grow out of this phase, and it was going to go away. These things are going to go away, and I never thought that I could stay married. But the thing is, 
that that was, uh, we got married in 1990. And we out of, this is really interesting because at that time we were getting married and we were crazy, right? We're crazy people and just crazy musicians doing whatever we're going to do. And all of our friends who got married, who were way more stable than us, I mean way, and probably way more Christian-like than us. I mean, they all went to church and stuff like that. I don't know. Um, so I, we just talked to another one yesterday, and Jay found out that they had just divorced. And I just thought, I mean, it was a shock because I went, oh, out of everybody, we're the only ones that are still married? Oh, there is a God. (laughs) And it reminded me of John 3, 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. But he who comes into the light, right? So he who, 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 who lives by the truth comes into the light so that it can be seen plainly that what he has done has been done by God. And it is plain that the only reason we are still married is because of God. So I look at that and I go, that is, that is a life-changing forever event. And then I started... I had an incident happen the other day where I found out that one of my friends, one of my girls in my group, actually, um, her family was friends with, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story, I don't mean to be um, uh, gross, but so there was a man in Valencia that, or Santa Clarita that shot himself and his family. And I was thinking about how I wonder how his house looked from the outside. And that thing that Isis had said about picturing, you know, we all kind of giggled. But I was like, you know, it's not too far from the truth. You never know what's going on inside of somebody's home. And all of these things have been happening to me lately where God has showed me what would happen to me without him and how grateful I can be that for the past 20 or 25 years, I've been spending it with him. But that has not come easily. It takes a lot of hard work to wrap your life around God, to make God the center of your life, the center of your universe, and get your whole world to revolve around him. That you don't put church in an orbit that goes around you or spiritual activities, but that you put God in the center and you let your activities revolve around him. And if we don't do that, we're really, really not going to be able to help other people become Christians. Because life is busy, right? Life is busy. Even when I was young and really had not much going on and I was studying the Bible, I thought I was so busy that when Son would sit down to study the Bible with me, I would pull out my watch and I would set it down. I'd go, we have 30 minutes. I'm like pointing at my watch. We've got 30 minutes. And so she was like, well, let's go. But that's how busy we are not having time for God. So we are up against a lot. First, we're up against our own busy. And then we're up against everybody else's busy trying to, come on, I'm going to pull you in. We can do this. We can make the time. So because of that, I wanted to just hear from a few people that um, actually have made um, making disciples 
fit into their life. And I wanted to make sure that I had some people from different walks of life. So even though she did share last week, that wasn't planned, I wanted to have Isis share because Isis is, she has, uh, uh, right now she has three kids under six, right? Six or under? Yeah, Ali is seven now. So she has three kids under seven. So you can picture that, those of you who are mamas. And then I wanted to have Kimba share because she, at this point, has no kids, and, and she is living her life, and I wanted to, to have a single woman, successful professional woman's perspective. And I also wanted to have, don't take offense, but a little older um, mama who has teens, and so I asked Kim Thur if she would share. So if you guys would come up here and have a seat in one of these seats, that would be great. Okay. Yay. I'm so happy. I um, actually, I have to uh, tell you that uh, two of these women are up here, very spur of the moment and very happy. (laughs) I'm I'm grateful for them. I'm happy that they're up here. Okay. So first I wanted to just say, uh, I just wanted to catch up on what, what your life is like. So Kim Thur, what, what is your basic schedule? What do you have in your life? Your kids, your job, what, what's going on in your life on a normal basis? Not making disciples, just your schedule in life. What are you responsible for? I have uh, two teenagers, uh, one who goes to um, school outside of the home and one that I homeschool. She's pretty independent, but I still oversee her homeschooling. And I work, um, I have two jobs. Um, Ooh, what are working those? from home though I work from home um, one that I try and put in 20-25 hours a week um, doing one thing for this company and then I do another thing for them seasonally so um, I'm going into that busy season but, awesome yeah. okay and Kimba what do you do tell us um, so my life I, I, it's kind of I've had a shift in the last three years I'm a freelance writer so I my stuff is very deadline driven so I'll they'll be I'll be fine I'll be I'll be available and then it'll be like can you write all of the stories in Genesis in a week sure let me go do that and um, so then suddenly I have this really crazy um, schedule but um, I think outside of just work I um, I do a lot with the singles at Turning Point and then I serve on the um, Congregational Singles Leaders uh, group which is Los Angeles and so we do things like plan some of the singles retreats the Devos the International Singles Conference that's coming up so I do a lot of kind of um, singles planning stuff that keeps me busy as well. Yes. I have to say that everybody loved New Year's. Okay. Just saying, yes. right? I heard it was Amazing awesome. Thing. I never talked to anybody that said they loved it. Okay, and Isis? What I do, what I do. Yeah, so what do you do? Um, I am a stay-at-home mom, and I homeschool my children as well. Um, I have three kids, and I'm also my mother's caregiver. She's 78 years old, and I love her very much. Um, so that's what I do. Okay, awesome. Now, on top of that, Kimba already shared so that you have these extra church responsibilities serving in the thing, but you also, I want, I want you to uh, let everybody know in what capacity you serve in the church. So you lead a small group, right, which is a very large group. Um, <laughs> she leads a large group. And um, Isis works in? The teen ministry. The teen. Oh, yeah, Kim does CR2. Oh, CR2. Um, I'm in the teen ministry, and we have Bible talk at our house, and I study the Bible with teen girls. Exactly. And 
Did you name everything that you do? I, I also lead a small group in the singles. And Kimba leads yeah. a small group as well. Okay, so now I'd like to go through and say, first of all, something just just to let everybody know, um, every, we we all come from all these different situations, right? Some of us have. Uh, a, a lot of different responsibilities at home. Some of us have a lot of responsibilities out of the home. But you have to think, no matter what God has given me, he's going to give me a way to seek his kingdom first. So how is he going to help me to do that? What can I glean from this? So now, having your small group, how do you arrange your schedule to prioritize making disciples in your small group? How does your small group schedule work? Um, well, we uh, set aside time where we can stay the Bible with people or meet for our Bible talk. So that's Thursday nights. So my Thursday nights are always free. But um, my kids also go to Devo on Friday nights. So I have that night free, too, if, the, that, if, the, if they're not available on Thursday. I can do Friday. When you say free, what do you mean by that? Like if somebody isn't available to come on Thursday... Like, for example, we studied the Bible with <clears throat> Maddie, who is a nurse, and she has a different schedule all the time. So um, one time we had to study on Friday instead of Thursday, or you know, but she also studied during the week with the, the other girls, too. So. But you're saying that you set aside Thursdays and Friday nights to study the Bible with people should they happen to be free. Yes. Correct? And um, Tuesday nights before midweek, we were doing that with another friend recently. So we were we met at six o'clock across the street at the Thai place. They have really good food, and it's a good um, study place. So we would meet there and then um, come over here afterwards. Okay, all right. And what about you, Kimba? What is your what is your life like as far as studying the Bible with people? How do you do that? I think because I don't have uh, a husband, I don't have have kids. I don't. I think I don't have as much structure. I would probably say, to be honest. Um, so there, I think I have a, probably a little bit more freedom in terms of when I'm available. And then because I I'm freelance and I work from home, um, like I have a lot. Of, I have time in the day. Like literally, as long as I know that I'm having a study, it's like okay, how can I get my work done? How can I do this? Um, but I just have a lot more. I would say open time to move around. If that makes sense. I think I don't have a lot of things in my life that are like it has to be this day. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's different kinds of juggling and being wise about what I do with my time. But I would say that one of the things that's really helpful is I have a lot of really amazing women in my Bible talk. And so um, they're, they, everyone who studies, I feel like, uh, knows everyone in the group. So there's never this feeling of like, oh, if so-and-so comes in the study, then, oh, that's weird because she doesn't know so-and-so. Like, I, I feel like if we, if we have someone studying there's a good six to seven women in the group that can make it happen. And so, and even if I'm not there, because of some also really um, mature Christians in the group that can study the Bible with women as well. So I, I just, I feel like having a, for me, having a stacked group, I feel like God's allowed us to really study the Bible with, with some, some great women and um, because that's the heart of the women in the group. So that, that helps a lot, I mean, time-wise, but it, it just helps to know that you've got partners in the gospel who are down to study with others and help other people know, know God. And so you're saying that you're pretty much available all the time when you're available, yeah. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Yeah. But is there, um, does your group have a certain day that they've set aside or is it just like every week we just 
fly with it. I mean, our, the thing with our group is that, you know, especially during the holidays, we, we were like sad because we weren't getting together every week. <laughs> so we kind of just did anyway. So um, I think, you know, we, we, we try to do something probably at least once a week together. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's a study, it's a study or it's Bible talk or we'll go out and do something and meet people. Or, but we, we pretty much get together weekly. Um, at least just to, to even, even if it was just a fellowship, but obviously, yeah, we're going to do whatever it takes to study the Bible with people as well, mm-hmm. make that time. Okay. And what about you, Ice? Wait, the question was, so what is your schedule for studying the Bible? Like, how do you okay. do that? How do you, what does your schedule look like? Serving in God's um, kingdom, trying to help people become Christians. So every other Tuesday, we have um, a Bible study here, and I have to get my entire day, like, literally, I wake up in the morning thinking, how am I going to leave the house so I could set Billy up to put the kids to bed and do dinner so that I can be here to study the Bible um, with Alex and then come to midweek. So that's, um, that's something I literally have to plan all through the morning. How am I going to do this? And like, I don't do play dates. I really try to, you know, set it up for Billy. Um, and then Wednesdays, um, I can have studies. Those are open Thursdays. Um, Billy and I have decided that Thursdays are our Bible study days. Like he does a Bible study and then I'll do a Bible study. They've been that way for years. Thursdays have, have been like the day that we try and do it on the same day so we don't take more time away from each other, too. Um, so Thursdays are our Bible study days, and then Fridays we have Bible talk at our house. And um, I try to do a Sabbath from, like, sun- Friday to Monday, so I try not to have studies in there. I'm flexible, but I have to pray about it, talk to Billy about it. It's a process, but I, I have those days, Thursday and Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so, you know, when you uh, look at... I'm glad you brought all that up that you have to do to actually get organized to be able to do it. Because you have to realize that there is practicality in making disciples. Like, you have to have a schedule that allows yourself to be able to do that. And what happens is over time, you go, this is what's important to me, so I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of all the other stuff that gets in my way. I'm going to, I'm not saying that, it, that it's sinful, it's just maybe you don't, it's not necessary. So you start honing your schedule to where you figure out, okay, what is the best way for me to make use of my time so that I'm more available to help people become Christians? But when you're trying to do that, uh, you know, in your own life, it's one thing. But when you're also trying to do it with a whole bunch of other people, have you ever noticed that it's kind of difficult? <laughs> like if you just got, if I just picked out five people and I was like, okay, guys, come on up here. Let's figure out a time that we can get together in the next two weeks. Can you imagine how hard that would be? I mean, be, well, I can't. Well, I have to go, you know, so my kids have soccer on that day. Well, okay. okay then maybe do that. No, violin concert. No. Oh, wait, wait. Well, what about this? That, oh, well, you know, my husband has a thing that he has to go to. You see what I'm saying, right? So unless you have proactively set up your schedule in a way that says, these are the times that I am setting aside so that no matter what, if anybody is available, I will be available for them. It's not like I wait for somebody who is ready to become a disciple or ready to make Jesus Lord of life or ready to say the Bible, and then I try to find a place in my week. I have already opened a place in my week. I already know what the times are on my week so that I can say, oh, yes, please, come and see. You know, I'm inviting them into that. I'm not trying to reorganize myself afterwards, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, okay. And all along that lines, I wanted to ask you guys what you felt like your biggest obstacles were. <laughs> you may have to think about that for a minute, but Isis can tell you right away. <laughs> um, the schedule, the schedule between, um, 
Billy and I, and then the person I'm studying with, and honestly, just what I want to do. Like, I, I want to do stuff. I want to take a dance class. I want to, you know, I want to do all these things. And like Tracy said, it is, you know, what are the priorities of my life? So everything's going to circle around this, but just the schedule and then the kids, you know, got to make sure I'm giving them love before I take off, you know, like, um, so just schedule kids um, and my own fear um, and my own insecurities, um, I have a lot of obstacles. Uh, what's the fear? Like, what, what do you mean when you say my own fear? <sighs> um, fear that I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to study the Bible well, that I'm, they're not going to understand me, I'm not going to make sense, or fear that um, uh, I'm going to be giving up my time or something that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think my probably the biggest obstacle is um, like life balance, if that makes sense. Like I'm, I, I think yeah, totally. it's a it's a fight for me to um, just because of my nature and my character. I'm very type A, so I'm very like let's do it. And then you know you realize like oh I've been up for 75 hours, so maybe I should go to bed. You know so um, and then you're and then you have this Bible study where you're like yelling at people because you haven't had any sleep. So I think um, <laughs> like. So I think sometimes for me it's just having that life balance of like, okay, maybe, maybe I should not be in this study and have these girls do this study and then I'll hop in the next one so that I'm not mean um, and can actually be like Jesus and say the Bible to someone. So I, I, I think that's one of my biggest obstacles in terms of, of, of studying with people is just making sure like I'm in a great place and I'm, and I'm grateful. Cause you know, if you're feeling resentful, like these people, I got to study the Bible with them, you know, and I could be, you know, at yoga or whatever. And <laughs> if that, if you go into a study like that, I mean, no one's going to be like, oh, I didn't really see Jesus there. But, um, <laughs> but if you go in and you've, and you've had that spiritual self care and you've taken care of yourself and have that life balance, I think you're more grateful and you have a lot more to share. So, yeah, so I think, yeah. Awesome. Well said. Kim, what do you think is your biggest opti- obstacles? I'm trying to think of what... Uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head with the, the like, um, single girls that I was studying the Bible with, but I know recently I um, was studying the Bible with another, with another group of friends, which was awesome, totally different, refreshing, you know, cool. And I was so insecure. I was like, I think because I'm so used to, you know, I have my um, young adults, you know, sing- singles or whatever. And, um, and I'm like the mama hen kind of thing, you know. And so they all look up to me and like I lead the study usually. And um, I, I mean, I'm, a lot of these girls, when they come in, some of them, they don't know anything about the Bible. And so you're like, literally like, okay, this is the New Testament. This is the Old Testament. This is how it's broken down. Like I literally go like that with them which is helpful to some, and then, um, you know, that kind of thing. But I was studying with some other friends that were, you know, disciples as long as me, you know. And so I felt, like, insecure, and I'm like, am I supposed to lead the study, or are they leading the study? Or it was that kind of thing, and then I got all weird. And it was like, and then, you know, Satan just tries to have a heyday with that whole thing. And so I, I, I would know. say that was, that's been, that was my more recent obstacle. So Awesome. Okay. So, Isis, you have a Bible talk at your house every Friday, correct? You have a yes, Bible I do, talk. and I love it. Okay. So, um, you know, I'm sure that all of us can imagine that at some point it might be a little like overwhelming 
to have a Bible talk at your house every Friday. Yes. And I know there's probably a lot of people in this room think, oh my gosh, I, I could never have a Bible talk at my house every Friday. So help us to understand what, what does it look like to be able to do that? Walk us through your week. Okay, walk us through it. We need to see it. Oh, I'm so ashamed. Okay, my kids do not watch a lot of TV Monday through Thursday, okay? They don't. They don't. But Friday... (laughs) Friday is the day. I'm like, you want waffles on the couch? There, you know? Um, But it's cool because Allie actually, she gets it. She helps me. Um, She helps me set up for everybody. But it's just like Tuesday, I'm thinking about Bible Talk... um, Actually, Thursday afternoon, I'm thinking about Bible talk, cleaning up, trying to figure stuff out. Um, so Friday is just my pretty much clean day, and um, Allie helps me, and then we do our Sabbath dinner. So that really helps me stay focused on the actual Bible talk and why I'm doing things as I'm lighting the candle to remember. And, um, but it's just being intentional. This is what I love. This is what it's. I don't feel bitter while I'm doing it. It's. It's really. I'm thinking about it through the week. I start off Friday. Friday. Ding. Bible talk. So it's. I don't know. It's just. I'm intentional. It's something that I love. Um, and if I need extra help, like if we've went through like two weeks without cleaning the house, I'll call Brooke and say, Hey, come over and help me clean. You know, for thirty minutes or whatever, or Rousseau or. Um, so I just, I just focus on Friday Bible talk all day so that when they come in the door, I'm already happy. I'm already, and same thing with the kids. I'm talking about it all. I mean, Liam knows the big boys are coming. Is it Bible talk? Is it Devo? Is it Devo? I mean, you know, my kids love it. They, um, they get involved too. So, yeah. Okay, and so basically you do a study or two a week, and then you have Bible talk on Friday. Okay. Yes. We are all grateful for you. Yeah. Seriously, we are, right? But I think that I just, I have always wanted her to share because I feel like ISIS is an incredible example. And I honestly, all the youth ministry workers are, to tell you the truth. And if you are trying to figure out how to get your life to be able to revolve around making disciples better, you should talk to a youth, a youth ministry leader. Because they really do have a great system and perspective. Like I know my D group uh, with my girls is on this day, on Tuesday, or on on Sunday. I'm going to stay the Bible with this. They're always staying the Bible with at least one person a week, and they're always having a small group on Friday. And you know what? It's fulfilling, right? Oh, it I is. would. I am faithful because I get to study the Bible as much as I do. I mean, yeah. I've been through lots of hard things, and studying the Bible with people that has. Even babies, like after babies, I've always nursed a baby studying the Bible with somebody because it doesn't help me to get self-focused. You know? Oh, so true, right? It, you know how you're doing horribly, and then you have to study the Bible with someone, and then you're like, oh, I have to do better. You know, like, it just makes you, plus it just inspires you because you're studying the Bible, so it makes you better. It just makes you a better, you know, disciple. Um, what would you say... Kimba, you have found to help you overcome your obstacles of, of figuring, like, have you got any tips? You were talking about that life balance. I don't know if you feel like you have any tips, but if you do, anything that you feel like this has really helped me? Um, I think for me, sometimes it's just about, sometimes it's a life balance thing, and sometimes it's just about, like, you got to learn how to say no. Um, and there's some things that you just need to learn to say no to. And that's the muscle that's very weak in me is I don't know how to say no. So, Mm. um, so this is something I'm working on in 2018 is saying no. Um, but I, I think one of the things that, uh, 
drives me and helps me because sometimes it's just about making sure my heart is there. But, you know, there's so many things, I think, in our lives, in our walk, where we, we don't really know what God wants. Like, you, like I love what you said about come and see, because this whole, this whole walk with God has been very come and see. It's like all the stuff that I thought where I'd be and what I'd have at this age, just it didn't go down like that. So it, it's been very come and see. And at the end of the day, though, I, I can't complain about that because I feel like I'm on that, um, on the road that, that God wants me on. But I, but I do think that... There's those times when you're like, I don't know what God wants for me. And you just, you know, you wish an angel of the Lord would come tell you so you could do the right thing. But I think the one thing that I always know is God wants me to help people to know him. And that is, in a lot of ways, a North Star for me. At the end of the day, I'm like, this is a lot. This is my mission. It's not my purpose. You know, my purpose is to love God. But, like, I know for sure I don't have to pray and ask. I got, I'm like, this is one certainty in my life that God wants me to help women and men know God. And so whatever I can do for that, that that kicks a lot of stuff out of the way, if that makes sense. That, oh, yes. that really helps me. So, yeah. Amen. Awesome. Um, Kim, do you have any, any last words on that? Any about helping you getting to overcome? I, I think just... Um, Whenever I tell, whenever we go over our schedule, we, we go, we have dinner on Monday night with the family and we always talk about what's your schedule for the week. And this is good. And we talk about, you know, okay, well, and, you know, on this day we're going to sit, I'm going to do a Bible study with somebody. Oh, and I'm having people over on Thursday or whatever. So that they know, okay, mom needs the bedroom and, you know, people are going to be coming in the door, you know, at this time. And um, so they know, like, my, my, I've prepped my family and, you know, we have to prep the teenager. Well, one of them. One of them is very outgoing. The other one, you're like, please say hello when they come in. You know, like you have to, yeah, please, please smile, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so we, we do that. Um, and so those, I guess those would be obstacles. Um, and then, uh, but I, I think just for years, my family knows that's just what we do. Like right. if there's a Bible study, that kind of trumps everything else. I mean, mm-hmm. I have Wednesday night open too, if, if that's, you know what I mean? Like we could be flexible, but I think that, um, I think you just, they just know that that's important in my life. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I wanted to recommend a, uh, a couple of things to you and then give you any last, any last words you want to say. But um, ah, I almost lost my... Um, I think what Isis was talking about when she was saying that she has her... Um, she, they do a Sabbath ceremony on Fridays. And I don't know if you've studied it or if you're into it or not. You could, if you want to find out more about that, you can go on Simply Holy. And I did a series called the, the, the Sabbath Living. That's what it calls it, Sabbath Living. But I, I have to say that that has really changed the way that I look at Fridays. And I know a lot of you are striving to have a time in your house or go to a time on Friday nights where you are helping to other people become Christians. You're having a Bible talk or you're going to a Bible study. And I personally have always recommended for years, 20 years now, that your group needs to have a rhythm where everybody is open on that night. If that night doesn't work, I understand. But Friday night is a great night to set aside because this is when people will let their kids stay up late. Does that make sense? So that's where that came from was, I can't think of another time parents are not taking their kids out on a school night. So, but they will let them stay up on Friday. And if my mission is to make disciples and to reach out to the other families in my neighborhood, my Friday is my best bet. 
So I have long since thought, you know, we, if we'll set that night aside, it's almost like an offering. You're putting it on the altar. You're giving God this time. You're like tithing it almost to him. But I will say that it has really changed me since I started celebrating the Sabbath on that day. Because at 5 o'clock when the sun goes down or whatever, six, whatever, we will have a meal together. And, and we will kind of start our Sabbath ceremony. But what that has done to me is it's helped me to back up everything else that I have to do. So that when Friday is coming, there's no mad dash for Friday. Like, I don't have, a, you know, like a frantic, like, I'm getting ready for Bible talk. It's a Friday. I don't have that because I've already done all that stuff throughout the week. And I have set it all up so that by 5 o'clock on Friday, I'm done. I'm peaceful my house is clean. Um, every, I'm not going to be doing anything else for the next 24 hours. And basically, like the Jews have done for thousands of years, I'm going to be focused on God for the next 24 hours. It has changed the way I look at Friday because I go, and now I'm going to go hang out with other like-minded people and we get to study the Bible. It's awesome. So it's really relaxed me. And that's something because you could think of celebrating Sabbath. Oh, that's so stressful. I, I would just say try Maybe try and see if it does, if, if you really give it a try, see if it doesn't change the way you look at that. And then the other thing is I did a series called Making Disciples in the Fall. And I, uh, that's on the website on Simply Holy Living. And I, I even did, I did a couple of them for leaders. And I, I did one for leaders and I did one for, for people with young children. And if you are ever trying to have a Bible talk with 15 small children, you're going to need some special advice. Just saying. You might want to check out those videos. They might help you because it does change things a bit because you're not only making disciples of whoever's come over to study the Bible or visitors that you've asked. You're also making disciples of all these little people. And so you have a lot going on in that situation. So you're making little disciples, you're making big disciples, and everybody has to sort of trade off that, um, that responsibility and, and see it all through those eyes instead of like, oh, what are we going to do with the kids while we're doing the important stuff? Does that make sense? Like a Bible talk is supposed to be to help your children become Christians as well. My children grew up thinking that Friday nights, this is what the whole world does. They sit down and study the Bible. But doesn't everybody do that? They have been doing that since they were, you know, practically born. Every Friday night, they think, oh, that they were raised that way. So now it's not this big burden on them. Oh, no, Friday nights, oh, my gosh. You know what I'm saying? They grew up that way, and they became Christians that way because we saw it that way. We didn't see it as child care while the grown-ups did grown-up stuff and talked about God. We saw, we're going to make disciples here, and we're going to make disciples there. Now, but it's tricky. <laughs> so I just would say, if you, if you need help in this specific area, figuring out how to make your life revolve around making disciples, it's kingdom living. This is our mission. This is our mission, is to help other people. I think that was so great what you said about, like, I may not be sure about everything, but this is very clear. <laughs> God wants me to help people. Right? So it's one thing that we can land on. But this kingdom living, the more you embrace it, the better it will get. The more you try to do both, like live one foot here in the world and one foot in the kingdom, the more miserable you are. When you, take the whole, when you go ahead and buy the whole field and you go, okay, I'm just going to figure out how to make my whole entire life revolve around helping other people know God, you would be amazed at how he will clear the path 
for you. He will make the rough places smooth. He will level the he will level out the mountains so that you can walk through them. You know, he he goes before you and 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 smooths it out for you. It can be done and it makes it 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 is living. I really do think it is living. You know, and the more I try to give to myself and think, you know, well, I really need me I really need this for me or meet me time. You know, just the more miserable you get. And the more you lay your life down for other people because that is the great irony of Jesus Christ is when you find your life, when you lose it. Um, you guys have some, yes, last one. I wanted to add to what Tracy said. If you are single or if you just don't have children, I have to say that I feel the most alive when I'm studying the Bible with somebody. I'm all about my mother, my ministry is motherhood, and I love my husband, I love my kids, I love my life, but I feel the most um, purposeful and joyful and alive when I'm studying the Bible. Satan can take everything from me, my family, my kids, but he cannot take away what you already have. You already have the love of God and Jesus shining in your life to share that with other people. So I want to encourage you with that, that you already have the greatest thing that can make your heart completely feel fully alive. So I just want to add to that. Amen. Anybody else? Any last, last words? Kind of adding on to um, what Isa said, I, I, I 100% agree with that because I, I was just thinking, I was like, have I read a Bible study that I walked away feeling like I was not closer to God, I did not grow, I did not learn, you know, and I've had some whack Bible studies, I had some crazy stuff go down, but, but, you, but you know, sometimes it's like, there was a demon in the room and it left, you know, and so that was exciting, but... Um, so I, I always feel like I, I have learned something come closer to God. I've come closer to the women that I study the Bible with and yeah. also my sisters. And so that just so much happens in a Bible study. That, like if you tried to go, here are all the points and the reasons why you should do it. It's like then you learn something new. Then something else happens because you were studying the Bible with people. And so I just, it's, it's one of those things that you, you do it and God just pours on blessings that you don't expect just because you're doing what he asks you to do. So yeah. say that. And you, Kim, anything? I mean, just what they said. It's just so bonding. It's so bonding when you get to um, study the Bible with other people, with the girls in your group. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I just feel so close to the the women in my group when we're studying the Bible with people. That's true. Um, So I I forgot one little thing I had to say was, um, you know, sometimes, so I, you know, I'm very involved in the teen world, right? And so we have a lot of disciples that are under 18. (laughs) So, and it's the exact same for them. They need to be, you guys need to be, just like the rest of us, involved in Bible studies because that's what makes you get to know the next person that you're going kind to of become your sister. It is an important part. It's a most important part of, of your weekly schedule. You can figure out, how am I going to make sure that this is in my schedule? And the reason that I say that is because oftentimes when we are still in high school, it is, it's almost like an accepted time where you have, quote, you know, no time for anything but school, if that makes sense. Like, oh, no, no, you should be, you know, we got to do school, 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 school. And, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-education for sure. Um, we do need to. But we need to study the Bible with people also. God will always make a way. And my teens that are studying the Bible with other people are always the strongest teens. Because when all you're doing is coming to church and filling up, but then you don't have that outlet where you have to give back. It doesn't flex that muscle. It doesn't help you. And so it keeps you healthy to be able to study the Bible with other people. It's a healthy thing to do.
Um, so anyway, I just forgot I needed, I needed to mention that. Um, and I wanted to just encourage all of you, you know, if you're, if this is the beginning of the year, right? So I know that during, you were mentioning that during the holidays, everybody, you know, like we, we weren't getting together and everybody was sad. You know, what happens during the holidays, of course, is that we have all this crazy scheduling and then we're not together, whatever, whatever. And especially, uh, people with families because then they're traveling and visiting this family and then they're, oh, well, they're off work finally for the first time and forever, you know, so. And so then you come back and you're trying to get going in January and before you know it, you haven't figured it out and it's February. Anybody relate to that? Like, did you realize this is the last one? This is the last week of, of January, right? Okay. So if your group has not landed, some of you probably don't even know what my group is yet <laughs> because this is the way it works, is in January we sort of take, we take inventory, we, re, we re, retool the groups and figure out where, you know, where I'm going to be. Even if that is the case, you have the chance now to go, you know what, guys? Let's make a difference. Like, the purpose of a small group, honestly, is evangelism. Discipleship and evangelism. Those are the two things that can't be worked out anywhere else. But besides, you know, you can worship God on your own, right? You can serve the poor on your own. You can do a lot of things on your own. But you can't disciple yourself. And you can't make a a Christian out of yourself. You need people to be able to do that with you. So the purpose of a small group is to make disciples. And if that hasn't been the purpose of your small group, that's okay up to now. You got tonight. Now you can make a change. You used to decide, hey, guys, we need to do something. What is stopping us? If you know, if you look back over the past year and you're basically saying group and you go, we haven't really been that successful at making disciples. Don't beat yourself up. Just change something. Just go, what we're doing ain't working. So let's figure out what we should do in order to be able to make disciples. Because you all know that you're so happy when you are. And when you stand up on stage, you go, this person went from the darkness to the light. It's just fun. You know, it's totally awesome. It's living. So tonight in your groups, figure out, do we need to change something? What is it? What do you guys think? Maybe, and I could tell you, the thing, some of the things that I see, the, are, are the hardest things are not being consistent. I think a lack of consistency stops groups from being fruitful. And sometimes in, an order, in order to not make it too overwhelming, we'll do things that are actually can work out well, but sometimes don't. If we say, well, let's just meet every other week. Well, what happens is if you miss one, then it's a whole month. Have you noticed that? So if you kind of shoot for every week, you know, let's try this every week, then you'll, you may get every other week. But if you shoot for every other week, you probably ain't going to see each other except for once a month. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, you really have to decide, how are we going to consistently go after making disciples when we have an enemy that's going to fight us tooth and nail? You're not going to get there just willy-nilly, as my mom would say. You're not going to get there unless you decide that you are going to fight in the battle together. You have to set up a schedule for your group. You have to say, this is our purpose, this is our mission, and this is what we're going to do. So if you haven't gotten that going in your group yet, you should make tonight that night that you get that going. Does that make sense? Awesome. So let's say thank you to our three ladies. Yeah, you can just put it.